Hey guys, there are three habits every property investor needs. You know, there's something that separates wealthy property investors from everyone else. It's not starting with millions of dollars in the bank or having a certain degree. You know, there's a certain set of behaviors that aren't like obvious, intuitive to most of us. Uh, and over time, these slight changes in behavior could actually lead to like much better results. So the good thing is that you can install these behaviors fairly easily. Of course, you need to know what they are. So here we go. Number one behavior is always think long term. Like most people think short term. You know, you've probably seen all those property gurus standing outside, you know, big fancy cars or mansions or whatever, talking about no money down schemes and things like that. But what I've noticed is, you know, after studying literally dozens of wealthy people and investors during my own journey, it's like, the key to successful property is to always think long-term. So instead of following the no money down deals or the next shiny object, focus on owning assets and getting long-term appreciation on your properties. That way, you will build a sustainable property portfolio. The second life-changing habit, I would say, is equanimity. Like I noticed when something happened in the economy, you know, when something happens in the economy, most people fall into this trap of being overhyped, you know, when things look good or being scared when things look bad, which leads them to make effectively like bad decisions. And this is where equanimity comes into play. One of the things that introduced me to this concept is a book called The Power of One More. I'd really highly recommend the, that book if you haven't read it. Well, basically, equanimity is staying calm, having unwavering faith and staying balanced when your emotions want to go out of balance. Like this is difficult, it's difficult, everyone is difficult for me, it'll be difficult for you, but it's really crucial as a property investor to control your emotions in both the good and bad times. And the third habit that will transform your property investing, like truly, if you do it right, is discipline and consistency. Okay, discipline and consistency. Every property investor has their ups and downs, you know, but the reason behind their success wasn't the right plan. It was their discipline and consistency over time. You can have the right plan, but if you don't have discipline and consistency, you'll fail. And this is the foundation of any successful business in any field, in my honest opinion. And if you're looking to build a sustainable property portfolio, then you need to be disciplined. Like, that's about it, okay? I hope you you found that valuable as a kind of a prelude or a preface to what we'll actually be talking about today, which is two things. The first thing is why land size doesn't actually matter, <laughs> right, when selecting an investment property. So, you know, I know that sounds kind of weird, but let's go with that. You know, you might learn something. And the second thing I want to talk about is what not to do when trying to find a capital growth suburb. Like people make these mistakes in picking growth suburbs all the time. This is what not to do. And I must apologize, guys. The sound quality is not the most fantastic. I recorded this musing outside, you know, and there's a bit of wind and things. So I, I really do apologize. But hopefully the actual quality of the content itself makes up for it. Thank you for always being with me and hearing it. Welcome to the Oz Property Investment Mastery Podcast. My name's PK and I help busy people build passive income by buying top 5% growth 
and cash flow property and build a portfolio using data without wasting months doing research, spending weekends at inspection or catching flights or dropping ten to $20,000 on buyer's agents every single time. So if you're confused, lack confidence and just overwhelmed with all the information and marketing misinformation available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. Okay, so part number one, why land size doesn't always matter. You know, don't just try to buy something with a big block. That's what people think matters, right? That can be a big mistake. Listen to this. Oftentimes, new property investors, they think that uh, this may be you, that this was me before as well. They think that land size is the most important thing, right? So they think that the bigger the land size, the bigger the block or the bigger the plot, um, that's going to mean a better property. So in other words, what they gravitate towards is going further and further out from the city and saying, okay, I need at least 600 square meters, I need at least 650 square meters, I need at least 700 square meters to buy an investment property that's big enough and actually going to grow in value. Really, land size has very, very little to do with capital growth when it comes to a buy and hold strategy. Way more important than the block size is the actual block value. Okay, so the land value is more important than the land size. I personally have um, one of my investments is in a um, suburb called Islington in Newcastle. Um, the the plot size or the block size is 210 square meters. So you may think, you know, what on earth were you thinking um, buying an investment property? And this investment property was worth a lot of money when I bought it, over $500,000. So you might be thinking, what on earth were you doing spending $500,000, half a million dollars on a block size of 210 square meters? But that investment property has grown, um, I think it's more than 30% now. Um, in about three or three and a half years. And the block size size had nothing to do with it, okay? The block value or the worth of the block is what I considered and that's what made me the money, okay? So imagine the most ex- exaggerated example to prove this point is to say, imagine if you bought one square meter in the middle of Sydney 20 years ago, right? How much would you have paid? I have no idea, maybe... 20 years ago, maybe like $40,000 for one square meter or less. I have no idea. I'm just making this up. Um, But now one square meter in the middle of Sydney, postcode 2000, will be worth probably at least half a million dollars, a million dollars. I don't know, but it's going to be worth a way, a lot more than 20 years ago. One square meter. Okay, so what is most important in property investing is not the size of the block, but the value of the block, the value of the block today and the value of the block, what it will become in the future. And that's all to do with location, right? In a buy and hold strategy, that's entirely to do with location. So the take-home message is that don't sacrifice location for block size. Don't think that oh, look, let me prioritize. I want something at least 500 square meters or something at least 600, you know, that matters not 
nearly enough as the location. Seems pretty obvious when you kind of put it in those words, but I know that more than 60 or maybe even 70% of property investors, they don't consider uh, an investment property that's under five, six, 700 square meters. And that's really not the way to be investing in property. It does not matter in, at all what the um, size of the block is. All that matters is that how much is it worth now? Absolutely and relatively versus the dwelling value, you know, the land to asset ratio, which I've talked about before. That's the first thing. And the second thing is how much will it be worth in five years time or in two years time or in 10 years time? And that is a product of about 20 to 30 different factors that determine supply and demand. And really the size of the block is not one of those factors at all. Hope that made sense. And look, this is what not to do when trying to find a capital growth suburb. Literally what not to do, which is actually what most people end up doing. Here we go. I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of property investors, especially those who have smaller portfolios, portfolios under, you know, let's say five properties, still are um, sort of relying on hearsay to, to magically pick a property that will increase in value, right? So ask yourself, have you ever listened to a podcast? Have you ever read an article in a property investment magazine or an article online? or a Facebook group or a chat forum and been scouring for tips um, on where to buy. For example, this person is saying to buy in a particular area in Ballarat or this other person is saying to buy in a particular area in Brisbane and this other person is saying to, pick in a, to buy in a particular area in Adelaide. And have you ever tried to gather all of those pieces of recommendation and try to line them up to say, okay, well, in the last three months when I've done my research, um, I found that most people are talking about Adelaide, so let me buy an Adelaide, right? How many times have you done that, sort of gone around different content providers and tried to line up who's saying what and what the key themes are, okay? Um, this is what I used to do as well, and it's really not a good idea. It's, it's like saying, you know, imagine if I was to say to you right now, hey, um, you know, you want to invest in the ASX 300 stock market. I think BHB Billiton's going to do really well, and here are the three reasons I'm going, I think they're going to do well. Over the long term, um, energy prices are going to be really good. The stock market's taken a bit of, bit of a battering, so it's going to increase. And the third one is it's a really large company, so low risk, okay? So would you buy BHP? Chances are you wouldn't, right? Because who am I? I'm just some random guy. Um, even though I provided some good information, some good stats, some good um, background to why I recommend BHP, I don't think any of you would actually take my, my suggestion or my recommendation to buy BHP. 
But when it comes to property, people do take recommendations. So if I said to you right now, I think you should be buying in Tengelpa, southeast Brisbane, um, you know, hasn't grown in value for last five or six years that much. Yields are you know above five percent. You can do a renovation there and easily extract about forty, fifty thousand dollars of equity by putting in about ten, twenty thousand dollars. The list goes on. All of a sudden, you'd start to get really happy and really excited about Tingelpa, and you'd start to look into it. And chances are, everyone who watches this video, there will be some people that actually get really tempted to buy in Tingelpa. Okay, so why is it that property investors? act that way? Why is it that property investors try to accumulate tips on which suburbs to buy and as soon as they get three different commentators or five different commentators or experts, gurus saying the same thing, they make up their mind and say, I'm buying in Tengelpa, right? And that's really, really not a good idea, right? Because what happens in the commentator space and the expert space is one person starts to big up Brisbane and then the other person who may or may not know that much actually starts to big up Brisbane as well using the same content drivers as the first person and then the third person starts to say the same because they've heard two people say it and it starts to become a self-fulfilling prophecy and this is exactly what's happened in Brisbane six or seven years ago people started bigging up Logan and then I think there must have been hundreds and thousands of people in Sydney and Melbourne that jumped on the Logan bandwagon and that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Then a whole bunch of other people, buyers, agents, others started getting in Logan and then everyone and their dog wanted to buy in Logan. And to this day, people love Brisbane or Logan, right? And I'm not saying Logan's bad, you know, there's good and bad pockets, but I'm just using it as, a, as an example. It hasn't been the best investment, okay? Everyone, 90% of commentators in the property market have been bigging up Logan, but there was a massive opportunity cost in buying in Logan six years ago, five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, two years ago, one year ago. You could have done much, much, much better. So the moral of the story really is, don't listen to me, all right? Don't listen to me. Don't listen to anyone else when it comes to where you should buy. Of course, you know, if you're paying someone like a buyer's agent and they have a lot of robust data um, to back up a, a recommendation, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense. But don't just try to accumulate, sweep up free advice from a podcast, from a forum, from a group, from a book, from a magazine, etc., etc., and say that you're researching because... The only person we're fooling, ourselves, fooling in that sort of approach is ourselves, okay? And I've been there as well. Um, this isn't an attack on anyone. In fact, it's an attack on myself, okay? So don't listen to me or don't listen to anyone when it comes to um, free advice on where to buy, okay? Don't sweep up and just make up your mind based on five people are saying buy here or buy there. It doesn't work like that. You know, just because 10 people say to buy BHP stock, you shouldn't buy BHP stock. It, property markets are no different, okay? There's a science of how to find good suburbs, suburbs that will increase in value, suburbs that will provide income in the short term and the long term. This is a science, right? Don't do yourself a disservice by taking a shortcut and just trusting someone, okay? Trust is good if you're paying money to that person and that person is only being rewarded by you, 
right? But don't trust anyone that's providing um, advice for free, right? That's not to say they're bad people, um, but we need to do this analysis ourselves, guys. Thank you for listening, guys. That was really fun to record when I was recording it. Hopefully it was really enjoyable to listen to as well. I really appreciate each and every one of you that come back week after week. You know, we have more than 100 reviews on Spotify and iTunes now. I'm just so grateful to each and every one of you. I just want to read one, one, one review out real quick. It says, great stuff with excellent content. These are the best pieces of advice that you can get. If you're starting up or looking to build your portfolio, then please listen to these podcasts and it will help you immensely in making correct decisions. Highly recommended. You know, I'm, that kind of review just really warms my heart. So thank you everyone for, for leaving those reviews. If you haven't and you want to, please do leave them. Just helps other people find the podcast. So I appreciate that and I appreciate you guys and I'll see you next week. Catch you later. Bye.